0: One of the biggest opponents to doing God's will is that we sense that in choosing His will, we're going to be separated. We're going to be marginalized, ostracized even but basically separated from the crowd wherein we have sought acceptance. One of the biggest difficulties in doing God's will is we count the cost in our minds and we say if we do this, then that's going to happen and that's going to be very difficult. Therefore, I don't think this is God's will. That's why Paul says in order to know God's will and do God's will, you got to do something first. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable form of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, what comes before doing God's will? A total sacrifice, a crucifixion, a death, a burnt offering of ourselves holy and acceptable to God, and it's reasonable. Amen? And what is directly married to that sacrifice of surrender? Separating from the world. Don't be conformed to the world. But be transformed. Both offer a form. Both tell you that they're going to form you conformed to the world or transformed but you got to be formed you just have to choose not to be formed by the world before you can offer a sack before you can can know God's will you've got to offer a sacrifice you've got to have a made up mind you've got to have already died to the world is that not what Paul said the world is crucified to me and I to the world. But many people cannot find this nourishing, fulfilling, purposeful will of God because they are too conform to the world. They have not made the sacrifice of separation. They belong to a group. They belong to a crowd. They belong to a denomination. I want you to know something. Jesus didn't belong to a group. He didn't belong to a crowd. And he didn't belong to a denomination. Paul said, that which they call a cult, in that manner do I worship the God of my fathers. I've seen something in New Zealand, in Israel, in South Africa and all all over the place here and with people from every background, I have seen something. People who have a genuine interest in God, who have an earnest desire that he would become more powerful, more real, more transformative in their lives, they will inquire to a certain point. But there is some point, there is some threshold where all the warning lights start flashing. And they start backing up. They start backpedaling just as soon as their flesh can do it. And they start running to Tarshish. Where's that ship bound for Tarshish? I got to get me out of here. You know what happens? They get some indication that there is going to be a significant departure from the crowd. Christianity has become a crowd. He said, beware of false prophets. You will know them by their fruits. He introduced the path by introducing prophets and telling us that we should judge them by their fruits and not their compelling words. And then he said, "Broad is the way that leads to destruction, that's Matthew 7:21. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. But narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be who find it. Many And few and they're both both crowds are led by prophets he introduces the path by introducing prophets and warning us there are certain prophets who stand beside a very broad way and they say all you gotta do is come on folks All you got to do is choose the church of your choice. All you got to do is Jesus did it all. Come on, folks. It's broad. It's easy. It can happen in a moment. Just raise your hand and accept him. It's almost like auctioneers selling the cheapest wares at the auction. And then there are others who say, this is difficult. This is narrow. And it's going to cost you everything you better be built on the foundation that is only given by Christ. And it's going to be hard. In the end, you'll have made the complete sacrifice. You'll have nothing left to lose. I will be discussing things with people and I will see that the longing of their soul is hopeful. They see the fruit. They watch a video. They listen to the music and they say, I've never heard singing like this. They experience the worship and they say, I've never experienced worship like this. They listen to the teaching and they say, never have I heard teaching like this. But at some point, usually when we're talking about doctrine, they start going, oh my goodness, if I believe this, then my family is going to think that I'm a cult, It's an emotional argument. It's not an argument based on scripture. It's an argument based on fear. Bring out your Bible and show me that it's wrong. But they start Ah, ah, backpedaling. You you mean y'all don't believe in the Trinity? Ah, ah, ah. Yes, yes, of course we do. We believe in anything the Bible says about it. It's an emotional argument because they don't want to be branded. And I understand it. What they're smelling in the water is death. To some, the aroma of death. And to others, the aroma of life. Because some can smell resurrection on the other side of the death. And others can only smell the death. And they start panicking. Perhaps they don't even want to ask the questions because they're afraid that they're going to be persuaded by the truth, but lack the emotional strength and fortitude to live by the truth. I remember hearing about this couple who had a certain view of the end times Whatever you think about it, we're not discussing that tonight, but they had a certain view of the end times and they believed that the church was not going to suffer and that we were all going to go up in the rapture as many Christians do and we respect their beliefs as incorrect as they may be. And I remember my folks and another couple sat down with this this minister and his wife and and they, they were asked to explain this topic. And so they explained the topic. And the woman stood up and she said, I can see it. I believe it, it's definitely in the Word of God, but I just can't bear to think of my babies going through that, so I'm not going to believe it. You may be a little bit appalled, but you can at least appreciate her honesty because she's doing what all Christians do, she's just being honest about it. They make an emotional argument and throw up scriptures as red herrings to throw you off the scent. But the argument is emotional. The reason is emotional. Because they have not surrendered their emotions to God. They have not first died to the world. They have not first made a complete sacrifice. So they can't know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember those who led you, Hebrews 13, who spoke the word of God to you. And considering the result verse 7 the result of their conduct imitate their faith Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever the writer of Hebrews Apollos or Paul whoever it may be is saying to them I want you to think about people who made certain choices And I want you to think about the result of their conduct and then perceive that that conduct was born out of faith and get that kind of faith for yourself. And as if to answer the questions that would immediately emerge in minds that say, oh, well, that was Paul and that was James and that was John and that was Jesus, he says, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, What he's trying to tell them is you can have the same results in your life if you would get hold of the same faith. The problem is not on Jesus changing. The problem is on you having a different brand of faith. If you would become as whole-souled as they were, then you could walk on water too. You could see him again. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to read that to you again now that I've expounded it. And listen if you hear it a little differently. Verse 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be strengthened or the word is empowered by grace. Implicit in that statement is that the strange teachings don't bring empowering grace. But the true teaching brings empowering grace. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were never benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp he said there's a group who's never tasted and seen that the Lord is good there's a group there's a crowd there's a camp who's never tasted of the heavenly kingdom or of the good things to come hallelujah they've never tasted of the new wine of the Holy Spirit They've never tasted of the the true bread which loaf we are as the body of Christ. They've never known true communion. They've never known true koinonia in the fellowship of his body. There's There's a group who just doesn't have a clue. For the bodies of those animals, why don't they have a clue? Because they're unwilling to go the distance. They're unwilling to be separated from the herd They're unwilling to cease being a groupie and instead become a follower of Jesus Christ. We have an altar, verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin, they are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the camp. Outside the gate. Outside the crowd, folks. Verse 13, so let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. You just think what he's saying here. He's saying we got to go to Jesus outside the camp. we got to bear his reproach. Why? Because we don't belong to any culture here in this world. We are seeking a city that is to come. Those who cannot go to Jesus all the way, those who stop at the stumbling stone of truth, those who balk because of the fears of their carnal hearts, they belong to a city of this world. Do you hear me? They belong to a city of this world. And those who are willing to go all the way are those who have cut all the ties and say, If we had been mindful of the city we came out of, we would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, God is not ashamed to call us brothers, for he has prepared a city for us whose builder and maker is God. We are not belonging to this world anymore. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. If you got to fit into the camp, you'll never get to Jesus. If you can't make a sacrifice, if you can't make a heap of all your gains, of all your pride, of all your accolades, if you can't be uprooted, if you can't leave your people, your country, your father's house, and go to a land he will show you, then you're not a son of Abraham, And you're never going to know God's will because that is the ultimate sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this city of this world, but be transformed on this exodus journey that we call salvation. Amen. Amen. So before you start to debate a doctrine, before you start to get into the weeds, you need to count the cost and say, have I offered myself as a living sacrifice? And did that sacrifice entail the separation from the world? that he told me was necessary in Romans 12. John 19, 17, they took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross. He went out bearing his own cross to the place called Golgotha. Amen. They took him outside. They left the camp. They left the crowd. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Reproach. Matthew 5. <clears throat> Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your citizenship in that of the city. For your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Anybody who's ever done something great for God, they didn't belong to the crowd. They didn't belong to the camp. Let us therefore go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Mark eight thirty-eight. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... The Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and with his holy angels. You know, a lot of people are afraid of being ashamed of the crowd. They're afraid of being ashamed of the camp. They're afraid of being called a heretic. Do you think that's fun? You think it's fun? I, I've been called a wolf in sheep's clothing to my face. I've been called a heretic. I've been called one who leads God's people astray. Amen. You think that's fun? No, but it's a sign. It's good news that I don't belong to the camp. Now, not belonging to the camp doesn't automatically mean that I do belong to Christ, but I know for certain if I do belong to Christ, I do not belong to the camp. So I love it when I get notices that you don't live here anymore, you don't belong anymore, because then I start to, to have courage and faith that maybe my, citizen in, in, my citizenship in heaven might just be intact. You're afraid to be persecuted, you're afraid to be lied about, you're afraid to hear the words you've spoken twisted to make a trap for fools, or see the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and pick them up with worn out tools. You're afraid of that? Amen. In the end, the camp is going to burn down. In the end, the camp is going to become a ghetto. In the end, the camp is a a prison. It's a place where there's no freedom, where people are bound by what other people think, and they all rush headlong in the error of Balaam. Amen. In the end, the camp perished in the great flood of Noah and the minority of only eight souls were brought safely through water because they had the courage to hear the voice of God and come out of the camp to do his will. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, but dad, you don't know what they're saying about us building this ark. They're laughing their heads off, dad. I don't know what we're going to be able... Sons, you're going to have to reckon yourself crucified to that world and that world crucified to you if you're ever going to get busy building this boat because in 120 years the rain's going to start amen we can't be a day behind because on the day that Noah entered the ark the rain began amen stop being diverted we got a cause we got a mission we got a purpose we've got something to do on this earth and when he comes I don't want to see I don't want him to find me hiding in the camp amen amen Hallelujah. Luke 6. Blessed are you when men hate you. You think he was trying to prepare them for separation from the camp? Blessed are you when men hate you. There's a blessing in it. There's a grace. There's something there. Blessed are you. Luke 6.22. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you. He knew that they were going to be ostracized. He knew they were going to get the sideways glances. He knew that people were going to say things about them in hushed tones. He knew that they were going to walk into a restaurant and not know whether someone was going to come up and accost them for being part of the group that's not part of the camp. He knew it. And he said, don't fight it. Don't hate it. Don't resent it. And don't capitulate. Be still and find the blessing that God gives to those who are treated like he was. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Jesus said that. Leap for joy. Get excited. Get really excited. Be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets... But woe to you, rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. I saw someone get up on the stand this week and try to talk bad about us. The Lord turned their testimony on its head. Have you ever heard of Homestead Heritage? Oh, yes. And, and you said in your deposition that they invited you to be a member. Oh, well, no, I, they didn't invite me to be a member. I was just a little kid and I knew people who became members. Were you ever interested in becoming a member? Oh, no, no, not at all. Everything about them changed. They changed the way they dressed. They changed the way they combed their hair. They changed the contact sports they didn't do. I mean, they left the camp, folks. They don't belong to this crowd out here. They're different than us. This is the dislike of the unlike, don't you know? And we have our slurs. We use the word cult. It's a slur. It's a a pejorative. Thankfully, The lawyer asked her some choice questions about why she was investigated in her own home by CPS and uh, turned her testimony on its head. But anyway, blessed are you, woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat the prophets, the false prophets, in just the same way. You're such a cow tying cow-towing accommodating, congenial Christian. You don't want to say anything that the news media might construe as inappropriate or intolerant. So just be careful to accommodate them. Oh, in everything you do, turn inside out. Lick their boots if, if you must. Just do whatever they say and avoid any appearance of divergence from the mainstream. Because then They're going to all speak well of you. Oh, but wait a minute. Then you receive a woe from Jesus because you've just been lumped with the category of the false prophets. Woe to you when all men speak well of you for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why are you speaking in this name, this man's name? They asked the apostles. They beat him. They warned him. And they went out and did it again, didn't they? They brought him in. Why are you doing this? <clears throat> Gamaliel says, well, You know, <laughs> I would just like to suggest that we don't judge this matter prematurely. If it is of man, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, we don't want to find ourselves to be fighting against God. And when he said that, it says, They took his advice. Thanks, Gamaliel. We won't kill him this time. We'll only beat him with the cat-of-nine-tails. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And when they had released them, they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for Jesus. And every day in the temple... Right there where they had gotten caught every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Messiah. That's the crowd I want to be a part of. That's the band. It's not a crowd. That's the group I want to be a part of. The Jews said to Paul, We have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for concerning this sect, it is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. What was the sect they were speaking of? You know what that word is translated as in in, in our modern vernacular? I can't hear you cult We want to hear from you but concerning this cult it is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere Oh well then it must not be god The majority is ruling it out and they're always right we know that mobocracy haven't you heard That's how it, that's how it happened to the lynchings too those were that was majority majority rule mobocracy Paul said when we are slandered we try to conciliate when we have become as the scum of the world the dregs of all things we have become as the scum of the world the dregs of all things even until now who wants to be the scum of the earth well nobody does unless there's something beneath the scum. Amen. That's what he said. He said, we are the scum of the earth. In 2 Corinthians, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true. Amen. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hebrews again. Remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, there it is again, amen, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while he who is coming will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live, shall survive by faith and if he shrinks back if he recoils at all this unpleasantness if he shrinks back my soul has no pleasure in him. This is the Lord speaking. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction but we are those who have faith to the persevering of the soul, literally press on to the persevering of the soul. Amen. That's how you persevere. You keep the faith and you don't shrink back. You press in. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know the scripture. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose to endure the ill treatment with the people of God. Rather than the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked toward the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not, he, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let us go to him bearing his reproach. Let us go to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. First Peter, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, the spirit of, the, of glory and of God rests on you. Philippians 3.8, I count all things to be lost. This is the last one. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which comes from God and is on the basis of faith that I may know him why did he count it all as lost that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. When you come into the camp of the sanctified, you're going to experience a power of resurrection that could have never happened had they stayed attached to that dying world with all of its compromises. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. I'd rather have the spirit of glory rest on me. I'd rather have the spirit of God rest on me than have the acceptance of that camp. There's nothing about that camp that I look to and say, yes, that's what I want for my children. That's what I want for my relationships. That's what I want in my walk with God. I don't see it. I see death, I see disintegration, I see decay, I see brokenness, and then I see this little lighthouse, this little lighthouse, this little city on a hill, and I say, in Christ, all things hold together and consist. I think I'll prefer the reproach of Christ, greater wealth than the riches of Egypt, he said the reproach, the negative consequence of Christ was of greater wealth than the riches of Egypt. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you want to belong, why don't you find the family of God? If you want to belong, why don't you come and trust the Father? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to belong, why don't you find the place? where the whole fatherhood and family in heaven and on earth derives its name. If you want to belong, why don't you find the one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to belong, why don't you find the people? Why don't you find the people who are ostracized? Why don't you find the people who are misunderstood? Why don't you find those who know what it means to really love each other, who know what it means to really be loyal, to really have trust. Amen. Hey, man. How many of you know the story of when Texas was making its final stand there at the Alamo or its last stand in that great battle? How many of you know that story? Hey, Amen. You know how that little ragtag band of people, a hundred and something with the women and children, They had said, "We're not gonna give up. We're not giving in. We gotta, we gotta do this. We gotta stick it out." Amen. Amen. And what are we? We're told that a group from where? Where were they from? Gonzales, huh? Gonzales. A group from Gonzales. A little group of a couple dozen people, maybe not even that many. Amen. They heard about what was happening in the Alamo. And they fought their way through the camp, through the horde. They fought their way into the entrapment. And they said, we want to get in here and make the stand with you. Because they were, they chose to rather die as true brothers, amen, than be lost in the fragmented camp and meaninglessness beyond the walls. Amen. Amen. There's a place for you in the lighthouse. There's a place for you in the city of God. There's a place for you in the camp, outside the camp. (laughs) Amen. And we're not here to die except to our flesh. We're here to, to, to launch the process that ends in resurrection. Amen. We're here to endure to the end that the same may be saved. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.